Hello everybody, this is Common Sense Christianity again. Today we're going to look at Genesis 1.26. And why are we going to look at Genesis 1.26? It's because Trinitarians have used this to basically say that Jesus is, you know, was with God during creation. And when God said, let us make man, he's referring to Christ, you know, and he's referring to the Holy Spirit also that was apparently uh, around with God during creation. And if you hear pitter-patters, I'm in the parking lot, I just got done shopping, so you'll hear raindrops on my roof of my truck. So that's, that's what it is. And hopefully it's not too annoying. But back to the verse. So <clears throat> Trinitarians are really reading into Genesis 1.26 when it talks about let us, because there's no proof of anything, right? You know, there's, there's, there's theories about, you know, God using his plural of majesty. Like if you read the book of Ezra chapter 4, they write a letter to the king Artaxerxes, and it's specifically written to one person. And then the, the you know, King Artaxerxes responds, he says, the letter you have sent us. Well, they didn't send a letter to us. They sent a letter to Artaxerxes, right? And other people say, you know, like on stage, we shall go forth. Or when I say, you know, I'm home and alone and I'm ready to create dinner, ready to make dinner, I, I look in the fridge and say, let's see what we are going to have for dinner tonight. Let's is let us, right? Or I say, you know, let's, let's make this nice cake today. And I'm talking to myself, right? There's nobody with me. But no, that's not what happened in Genesis 1.26. And it, it's, you know, if you look at the rest of the text, he's talking to his divine counsel, right? And you can see this throughout scripture. It's, it's, it's his counsel of spiritual beings that God works with in ruling and, and governing his creation, right? You know, his, it, it's very important in the Bible, but it's not very understood. So <clears throat> it needs to be understood. And so, you know, God is love. He gives human beings and his creation the ability to interact with him and serve him and interact with him out of love. Not, not like, you know, like a tyrant. He's not demanding. He's, he gives you the ability to do it. So when God created the, the universe and, and later when he created us and then the church, he, he enlists the help of people and his creation, right? He doesn't rule over everybody like, you know, demanding things. Um, so God works with people and, uh, you know, even angels to help them govern the universe. And uh, in the Bible, there's, there's all kinds of evidences of this. <clears throat> so, you know, you look at the Bible and God created different hierarchies and categories of angels and, and spiritual beings that you know, to interact with his creation. He created these angels to be ministering spirits. So when God created the angels, he created them with different abilities and different positions. You know, you look at some of the angels are, are made archangels. And that's kind of a, a word built uh, on the Greek word archi, which means highest and first. And then the word angelos, which means, me, you know, messenger or angel. So archangel means chief, chief angel or ruling angel. So today, if we if people understood this in the Christian world, they understood these authority structures of the spiritual world, then Archangelus, you know, translated as ruling angel would make a lot more sense, right? Other than Archangel. They don't really, a lot of people don't know this or understand it rather. So you look at the hierarchy of angels, you have Michael. It's one of the chief princesses, princes or the primary rulers like in Daniel 10, 13 or Revelation 10, 1 or 18, 21. And it's, and there's strong angels who are more powerful than others. And not only angels differ in authority and power, but there's different kind of spiritual beings than just angels, such as, you know, cherubim and uh, seraphim or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce that. But there's different there's different categories there's, and there's different spiritual beings, you know, and different ranks too. You know, if you look at Ephesians 6.12, 
It says Christians wrestle against the rulers, the archi authorities, and the word rulers, who are spiritual forces of evil. You know, these are <clears throat> it's different words to describe the same spiritual beings, but they're different ranks of authority and power you know, in the spiritual world. Like Colossians 1.16 mentions thrones, lordships, you know, rulers and authorities. And these are different positions of power in the kingdom of God and the church. So God rules over all his spiritual beings of various ranks and powers, and they're called gods. You know, you look at, we had a discussion with a, uh, a Trinitarian that, you know, in Psalm 82, he talks about he stands in judgment before the gods. You are gods. You are the sons of the Most High. Yes. You know, and there's no lower case letters in Hebrew. They're gods, right? So there are many gods in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and that's why God is called the Most High. Jesus said, Father, let them know you, the only true God, right? All these other people and gods are not true gods. They're they're quote unquote gods by title. You know, they're they're ranks and powers. And so in Genesis 14, 18, God is called the most high God because he's far greater than all. Even Jesus said, My father is greater than I, you know. It, it's silly to have Jesus co-equal and co-eternal with God because that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, God, the, you know, his father is called most high, like, I don't know, 50, 60 times in the Bible, in the Old Testament alone, and nine times like in the New Testament. So when God created mankind, he continued to allow these beings, right, that he created rulers under him, and he gave Adam and Eve rulership over the animals. And that's in Genesis 1, 1.28. So, and, and he gave them responsibility of managing the garden, and then when, when mankind created, you know, more people, human population increased, God commanded these rulers and judges to be appointed to help him rule. You can see this in Exodus 18.21, Deuteronomy 16. And even the future uh, kingdom, the messianic kingdom of God will have under rulers who will help him rule, right? So, and the Lord Jesus will rule, but he'll have under rulers like Isaiah 26, Jeremiah 3.15, Matt 19.28, 1 Corinthians, Revelation 2.26. So, the greatest example of God allowing one of his beings to rule was when he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven on earth. Matt 28, 18, right? And he set him above his, you know, set him at his right hand. Jesus is God's right-hand man. You know, he's not a God-man. So, he's God's right-hand man. And Jesus gave him lordship over every name that is named and put all everything under subjection to Jesus, right? Ephesians 1, 21, 22. And God made his son ruler of his creation. Revelation 3, 14. You know, God made Jesus both Lord and Messiah. You don't need to be made Lord if you're already Lord. So, you know, back when the Christian church first started, God continued his pattern, you know, back in Genesis, of enlisting and creating, uh, you know, allowing his, his creation to rule. And so he set up Lord Jesus Christ ministries to rule and equip the church. You know, when it talks in Colossians 1.16 about, uh, I don't have the Bible for me, but, um, you know, dominions, rulers, thrones, and authorities, right? These are positions of power that God allows people, and especially Jesus Christ, to govern, right? And equips the church. So it goes on to say then he's the head of the church. So Christ gave the, the ministries, you know, the ability to uh, set up prophets, uh, apostles, evangelists, and pastors to help to help administer the church and to prepare God's people for the works of service. And this is in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And that's why Paul speaks of the authority he has from the Lord as an apostle, right? He, he basically said the same authority that others, other leaders have are from the Lord, and that's in like Titus 2, 15. And not only that, but besides the fact that God, God ruling the, the spiritual world through his counsel of spirits, he also lets earthly rulers and the church rule through appointed ministers. 
you know. So, God has a ruling council of spiritual beings with him who he consults, you know, let us make man in our image. And God would not need to have a divine council if, if he didn't consort with them. You know, he's perfectly capable of doing it himself. But having a council is in harmony with basically God allowing, you know, uh, his loving nature and his desire to work with, with his creation. You know, the angels are spiritual beings of creation, and so are we. And God allows hierarchy in our structure to interact with creation, right? So, um, you know... In many cultures, also, there's some type of divine council or council among the gods, right? You look at other other instances of religion, other councils. This is consistently uh, listed throughout you know, all kinds of uh, theological uh, traditions. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of important to look at the testimony as this because, you know, ancient myths, also, you know, sometimes have a little bit of truth in them, right? You talk about the ancient flood and all this stuff, well, oh, China. Well, they had, that's true because they had, you know, the flood. So we have to pay attention to a little bit of these things, especially when they agree with the Bible and basic facts. The flood, you know, um, and other things. So we can look at uh, the divine council. Uh, you know, Psalm 89.7 mentions God's divine council and the word council is translated from Hebrew Sod, right, which refers to a council, like a secret council, intimate council, uh, assembly, and sometimes, uh, you know, a deliberation of a divine council. And so if you also look into Jeremiah 23, 18, 22, and Job 15, 8, they talk about the divine council of God showing up with just a different number, you know, varying degrees of clarity in, in the Old Testament. So God supplies the power for what he does. He works in concert with his creation. You know, that's basically what we're getting out of this. So, when it comes to Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. You know, many Trinitarians believe that God worked together with the other persons of the Trinity, right? When he created things and they and, and they point to this verse and say it's a proof text for their argument. But where's humanity in all of this? You know, why is God, God's loving God when they say God is love? Well, where's humanity in all of this, right? It's definitely reading into the text. And to be honest... There is no concrete proof that God is talking to his divine counsel, which is why I don't use let us. But, you know, it's not grammatically correct for us to say that he's really talking about specifically two other persons that are also involved in creation when God goes on to say that he made man in his image. You know, the Bible says this. You know, the angels were there, but they weren't involved in creation. Trinitarians want us to believe that Jesus was involved in creation, right? So... You know, you're reading, really reading into the Old Testament when you're uh, when you're saying, "Let us make man in our image," and it's and it's Jesus. You know, so you know in Genesis 1:26, <clears throat> a Trinitarian will will insist that it's specifically two persons, but we don't have any evidence of this. And and it's when we, when we look at Daniel 4, where the Watchers is also called the decree of the Most High. You know, so there is divine counsel, like with many corporate councils and boards, and uh, they don't they don't act. You know, they don't initiate it, but they offer support and give input. Right? They don't create. So when God was basically saying, "Let us make man in our image," He's conferring to the council. He's basically you know check letting them know that He's going to do something. They can input things, but He's going to do it anyway. Right? So the New Testament shows that God also works with leaders to and to rule His creation. You know, we, he gave Jesus all authority, and he works with Jesus to appoint leaders of the church who run the church. 
And, uh, you know, it's not as clear necessarily in the New Testament as, in, as it is in the Old Testament, you know, where, where it talks about his divine counsel and spirits and stuff like that. But the New Testament does continue to use the term most high, most high God, you know, when talking about the true God, like Mark 5, 7, Luke 8, 28, Acts 7, 48, and Hebrews 7, 11. And it shows that the New Testament writers acknowledge that there's other gods besides him, right? Gods as lowercase gods, title given to men. But, you know, it's it, Trinitarians assume, oh no, these other gods, you know, they died like men. They're demons. But no, there's no reason to assume all of them are. You know, it, it, in the beginning it says, you are gods, you are sons of the Most High. So, you know, the, these people were sons of the Most High. They were created, they were gods. But they weren't, they weren't demons in the beginning. You know, they later, they later rebelled. So, in the Old Testament, there's clearly a divine counsel of gods. So, you know, God works with an inner counsel of spiritual beings in order to rule his creation. You know, there's, there's not, it, it's not overemphasized, you know, but <clears throat> we don't want to detract from the divine, you know, the divine emphasis on God. But, but basically, if you look at the Bible and you understand it, he does confer with the, the, the agents and the divine council, but they're not going to overemphasize this and make all of a sudden now, now, now he needs permission. You know, that would kind of, if they talked about it all the time, it would make it look like God needs this divine council to create, and that's certainly not true. So, we, you know, he confers to the council, and uh, we, that's what we take from that. It doesn't talk about, you know, Jesus pre-existing or let us, and, and it drives me a little bonkers when a Trinitarian will always go to let us. You know, there's no evidence of a trinity or Jesus is God or up in heaven or him talking. So they're going to use another riddle. Let us make man. I mean, this is, you know, it doesn't work grammatically if Jesus is involved in creation. It does work grammatically if God was converting to the, you know, the, the divine council, you know, and, and, he, and, he's, and they're not involved in creation. Whereas a Trinitarian belief system, Jesus absolutely is involved in creation. And in fact, he's the creator, right? So if we look at divine counsel in the Bible, we see uh, Genesis 126, uh, let us. So we look at uh, Genesis 11:7, Isaiah 6:8, Daniel 4. It shows God working with the council of watchers. Daniel 7:10, 10 and 26. Uh, Daniel 7:26. It shows God working with the panel of spirit judges to judge the Antichrist. And it's probably those same judges there are 24 elders in Revelation 4:4, right? And judges in Revelation 24 and and uh, 710 and Revelation 4.4 and Revelation 24. So, you know, in addition to meeting with his council members and, and divine council, God sometimes meets with large general, like, assemblies of spiritual beings. Like, you can look at Job 1.6 and, uh, and, and Daniel 4.17. And, you know, <clears throat> so, the, I mean, the devil is the ruler of the word, he, world. He has a divine council too, right? Well, not really divine. I should say divine, but they have a council. So, um, you know, a lot of this stuff, the spiritual realm has a hierarchy. So when God said, let us make man in our image, he's conferring to the hierarchy, the structure that he put in place. You know, he assigns these positions of power to his creation. You know, the angels are created beings. So, you know, when Jesus is elevated, Jesus is elevated, and now he's ahead of the angels in authority and rank, right? He, he's given the name above all name name so we can we confer 
to the authority of Jesus and the hierarchy structure that he's set up, right? Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. I'm paraphrasing that. I think it's principalities and authorities in Colossians. So this positions of power continue from the old kingdom to the new kingdom. So when a Trinitarian brings up, let us make man in our image, this is, this is pure desperation, you know? It doesn't prove anything, and that's why hardly any scholars today will even use let us because it doesn't prove anything. When you don't have proof and you're speculating, then there's no point. You know, there's no proof of anything in let us make man, specifically talking to two persons or Jesus or anything. So uh, I hope this, uh, this verse gives you a little bit of clarity and you can dig for yourself. Look at, maybe pause some of the verses that I gave you. I kind of ran them off really fast because I want to keep these podcasts short, rel relatively short. But uh, see for yourself, Again, I could be wrong. There's no definitive proof that let us means anything. Like I said, I can say, let's cut your hair today. You know, I'm doing the cutting. I'm just telling you, hey, you're going you're gonna to get your hair cut. Or I can tell, you know, if I had a kid and she's two years old, I could say, let's cut your hair today. You know, let's cut your hair tonight. And basically, that's me telling my kid that I'm going to cut her hair. She's not going to be involved. She has no, no, she's not going to be involved at all. I'm just letting her know what's going to happen. You know, letting her know what I'm about to do. So it's really hard press for a Trinitarian to say, you know, there's no Trinity. Well, let us make man. That shows the, the plurality of God, you know, but when dismissing 99% of the rest of the Bible, right? They use these riddles, like let us make man in our image, but they don't work. You know, every time the Trinity comes up with a verse, they, they it falls apart in a matter of seconds because, like I said, if you keep reading, then God made man in his image, in his likeness. He made man, not they made man in their image, in their likeness. They made man. If they said that, wow. Can you see if the if the um, the translator would have been cognizant of something like the Trinity belief system today? How they would have gone out of their way? Can you imagine taking a Trinitarian today and putting them down during the times of the apostles? Can you imagine all of the the analogies they would have in the in the Bible in the Gospel with? describing this three-person God, like he's three bales of hay, but he's one bale, you know, or he's three hooves of, you know, whatever. They would come up with all these medieval analogies like they do with water, ice, and steam or whatever today, you know, three, three, you know, three, uh, um, a three-leaf clover. It just reminds me of th leaves of three, let them be, like poison ivy, right? But they would come up with all kinds of analogies that would familiarize us with God, you know, God would go out of his way to say, you know what? God is like three persons, you know, three sheep in, a, in a, you know, and all these sheeps become one. Something beautiful, something elegant, nothing like that exists. You know, they come up with all, and, and not only that, but all these analogies they use come, they, they eventually end up in like modalism, right? Like the egg, I mean, and the watered steam, they don't work, you know? So the simple truth is we don't know what Genesis 126 means, right? It doesn't mean that God was talking to Jesus. And, and not only that, but it would be, if it was something that different, it would be explicit, right? It would be something so new that they would make it clear. They would say, you know what? God was talking to two other persons, you know? So nothing's changed. There's no, there's no change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There would be something dramatically changed differently. You know, this would be a new revelation. God would really reveal this in in clear form, not give us, not continue with a bunch of riddles, you know. The fact that we're even discussing this just proves that there's no change, you know. It's, it's just Trinitarians are twisting things and trying to use a riddle, and other people are saying, no, no, you're not, you don't get to use that riddle, right? 
So I hope this answered your question. It's it's really it's a nonsensical argument, really. But I'm just giving you a new uh, perspective on Genesis 126. If they ever tried to say that it, it specifically talks about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it absolutely does not. There no there's no evidence of anything in there. You know, as far as who it is, we don't know. And 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 you got to look at it through common sense. Like I said, did the Jewish people believe God was a three-person being? Did they believe for thousands of years when they read the Old Testament that let us make me a plurality of persons? No, they didn't. You know, they realized that it was his divine counsel. And later on, the Jewish people came up with, you know, uh, different versions of God. That These were cults that spun off. That You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, people would pervert the gospel. So it doesn't matter what people came up with later. You know, they were in a minority fringe group. So let us make man in our image proves nothing as far as, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, they patch things together. If you go to God questions, you know, God the Father was there in the beginning. Then, then the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, was was float, you know, floating over the deep, and uh, that that means that it's three persons. You know, that's the thing is, they they take these instances and they put their theology into it. it doesn't say anything about three persons. You know, God would not give us a bunch of riddles to use to patch it together. So, um, yeah, at this point. I'm going to leave this podcast on here, but you can just see that it's it's proof of nothing, right? It's more obvious that it's divine counsel with the scripture that I gave you that he confers with his divine counsel than it is talking about two other persons up there, right? So, hope this uh, was interesting, and uh, God bless and have a great day.